Are there any people in your life that know everything about you? I mean everything. <laughs> probably not. There's probably there's probably not anybody that knows every detail about your mind and your thoughts and what you do. You know, even though there's some people that are more open and expressive with their ideas and some people are more private, I think we all tend to have things about us that people don't really know. Is that a good thing? Maybe. <laughs> you know, one time I had a friend tell me that he couldn't always really tell what I was thinking. And uh, he said, you know, you play with your cards pretty close to your chest. And I thought, thank you. <laughs> At the time, I took it as a compliment. I'm like, oh, I, it made me feel, uh, you know, self-composed and dignified that no one, you know, people wouldn't know necessarily what I was thinking. Well, now as life has gone on a little bit, I'm not so sure that's a good thing. Over time, I began to hear that from other people, uh, from family members, uh, or even actually for a long time, even my own wife. In the first many years of marriage, she would say, I just, I just don't know what he's thinking. And as much as I kind of liked that, I, I thought, you know, this is actually, um, this is blocking for people from trusting me because they don't really know. And, you know, I think, I think there's a spectrum that maybe we find ourselves, you know, where you've got truthfulness on one side and you kind of, there's like this aspect of openness. Maybe in the middle of the spectrum, there's discretion. Sometimes you say things and sometimes you don't, depending on the situation. And then you move to the other side, which is deception and, mis, you know, misinformation or, or untruth. I'm going to make a bold statement, and you might not agree with it, but I'll, I'll just go ahead and say, I think that we all struggle with deception. I think, I think there's just areas for each person that we tend to want to keep hidden. I, th I think that's a common struggle for mankind. And I bring this up because we're in this series called Stacked. Four ways to stack good days. You want a good life. Uh, a good life flows out of having a good day one day at a time. Wouldn't it be nice just to have, have a good day? And then tomorrow, I have another good day. And the next day, another. And, and lots of good days. That's, that's what we're talking about. How do, you, how do you stack up a lot of good days? Well, God gave us a recipe for that. So would you like to have a prosperous and happy life. <laughs> well, in this message series, we're looking at one, each, each week we're looking at one out of four ingredients. And uh, so a core passage in the Bible that we're looking at is from Psalm 34. And David writes, come my children. That word children, it, it can be meaning sons, but uh, not necessarily his actual sons. It could be a much broader group. It says, come my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Now, we looked at that last week. We spent a lot of time looking at what's the fear of the Lord. It's really the first ingredient to stacking up good days. Um, and not being fearful in the sense of complete terror, necessarily, maybe. But really, there's an idea of respecting God and taking Him seriously and taking His commands to heart. So we looked at that. David says, listen to me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And now, whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, here's the next ingredient. 
keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Well, right what it says, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Lying, that's a bad thing, right? I mean, I'm, I'm gonna just guess that you'd probably agree that lying generally is bad. You've probably been taught that growing up. If you have kids, you've probably taught them, don't lie to me. <laughs> Lying's bad. So you're about to listen to a message entirely on the merits of truthfulness and the badness of lying. Is that, is that going to be necessary for you to hear a message on that? Maybe because for some reason, most people continue to deceive even though they know generally it's wrong. And people continue to deceive even when it damages them. It's very interesting. And I actually learned this about myself uh, early on. There's lots of ways that I learned this about myself. But one time, me and my, my, one of my best friends in, in my teenage years, we were interested in the same girl. And I didn't tell him that, though. And he had already started taking some steps towards dating her. And uh, we talked about it. And we talked about his interest in her. And and his progress in pursuing her. And uh, you know what? I, I wanted, I was interested too. And so I jumped the gun and I asked her to go to my, uh, one of my proms at, at high school. And she said, yes. <laughs> so I took this girl, um, which totally shocked my friend. And uh, you know what? It did some damage. I didn't ever end up with that girl. I married my wife, Erin. And I didn't end up with that girl, and I did some serious damage to a really good friendship. It was stupid. You know, I, I, uh, I wanted something. I wanted something, and I was willing to go after it, even at the cost of a friendship. And there was some deception mixed in there. You can see this kind of deception play out in pop culture all the time. I uh, don't know if you remember what happened with Tiger Woods, but he is known, I think, still as one of the greatest golfers of all time and considered one of the most famous athletes that there is. I mean, if you consider golf athletic. But, you know, he, uh, he did really well in golf. Uh, eventually, though, he had multiple affairs and he tried to hide it. Tried to cover that up, didn't want that exposed, but eventually admitted it. <clears throat> and then the marriage fell apart. And it's amazing, in that journey from darkness into light, there was a moment when he, he uh, confessed this and admitted this to everybody. Here's a quick soundbite from when that happened. The issue involved here was my repeated irresponsible behavior. I was unfaithful. I had affairs. I cheated. What I did is not acceptable, and I am the only person to blame. I stopped living by the core values that I was taught to believe in. I knew my actions were wrong, but I convinced myself that normal rules didn't apply. I never thought about who I was hurting. Instead, I thought only about myself. I ran straight through the boundaries that a married couple should live by. I thought I could get away with whatever I wanted to. I felt that I had worked hard my entire life and deserved to enjoy all the temptations around me. 
I felt I was entitled. After this point, Tiger Woods lost a lot of sponsorships. I think maybe even like, you know, billions of dollars worth of sponsorships. This destroyed his family, life, a lot of humiliation and disgrace came on his family. There was, there was a lot of deception leading up to this point. And if you look at how his life has progressed since that point, it, it seems like the path of destruction isn't quite over yet. And I'm not sure if he stepped into the light because his heart had truly changed in that moment or he was truthful just because he was forced to. I mean, the guy got caught. This happened with another athlete, Lance Armstrong. You may remember he was uh, one of the best cyclists in the world. He won the Tour de France, one of the best cycling races in the world. And uh, he, he won that race seven years in a row. It was unbelievable. You know, a cancer survivor. He was really an icon for so many people, uh, a person of hope and resilience and determination and you know, adults and kids and everybody loved him. And then it came out that he was doing steroids and he was trying to cover it up. Basically, he was cheating. And uh, he even aggressively silenced whistleblowers. People were trying to come out about it. And eventually, it all came out. His titles were stripped. And so he was not, he's not recognized as the winner of those races anymore. And there's a little soundbite from him when he was being interviewed by Oprah and he was talking about the way his son would, in, in the process, his son would defend his dad and say, hey, the things you guys are saying about my dad, it's not true. And I want you to see the impact of this father-son relationship based on what he says. Go ahead and take a look at this. When this all really uh, started, I saw my son defending me and saying, uh, that's not true. What you're saying about my dad is not true. I told Luke, I said, uh, I said, don't defend me anymore. So in the case of Lance Armstrong, there was a lot of deception for a very long time. And then a lot of fallout and damage and wreckage and destruction in, you know, in reputation and all kinds of things. And, you know, with athletes or celebrities or other people like this, did people resort to deception because they have really low IQ and, and they're just, they just decide to do something really dumb? I, no, I mean, these, these are intelligent, skilled, talented, uh, respected, disciplined, well-liked people. It, they're, they're just, well, you know, they, they've got, they're people that probably didn't wake up saying, you know, I want to wreck my life. But you know what? Lying, hiding, and deception destroyed these men's lives, their reputations, and a lot of their relationships, and had a cascading impact even on their family line. Really, it's, it's how not to stack good days. <laughs> you know, these are extreme examples of deception with really extreme results. But I'd say that none of us are really too far away from that starting point where they started out. Because you know what? We've got desires 
we've got things that we'd rather have stay hidden. Really, the takeaway is that deception damages my life. Now, not everyone needs to know everything about us. Sometimes it's prudent not to share something. So there's things when, you know, when people are looking at our lives, there's things about us that are visible to the public, that are visible to the people around us, even people close to us. And then there's some things that people can't see. And so we've all got a wall of discretion. Because let's be honest, I've got some private and some family matters that uh, it, it would just be it would not be appropriate to share everything. And there's other times when you make a judgment call about what to share and you make a wise choice about your words and what you say to somebody. There's times when it's appropriate and prudent to withhold information. That's discretion. But you know, we've also got not just a wall of discretion, but a wall of deceit. <laughs> and I think this wall tends to be a little bit bigger because there's a lot more, there's a lot of things behind it. So behind the wall of deceit, there's sin. There's things that I do, that I have wrongdoing that I just, I don't want you to know about that. Or there may be things that, are, that I do as wasteful and lazy and indulgences that I have that, you know, you'd probably lose respect if you found that out about me. So I'd prefer if that just stayed hidden. Other times we plot for our own advancement. Maybe I'm angling for a position or some sort of advantage over somebody. And we are plotting and trying to m change the situation favorably to ourselves. But that's not visible to everybody. Other times we manipulate and we try to work people you know, we work behind the scenes to get people to do what we want. Another category of things behind the deceit wall would be inadequacies. Things about me that I'm, I'm, I can't do, I'm not good at, I'm incompetent, and oh man, I just, it's embarrassing to let that out. Or mistakes and failures. I would be mortified if you knew about all of the mistakes and all of the failures were just all tallied up. Other things that we hide are struggles. And I'm just really, I'm really struggling with something right now. Or rebellion. Times when, you know what? We're about to uh, rebel against some person or authority or a boss or someone over us. And uh, that stays hidden until the opportune moment. Or fear. Different fears that we have. We don't want people to know about it. Even for people that are really, really open about their lives and share all kinds of things, there's still some things that linger out of view. And I think this is the case for all of us. We've just got things that are behind that wall, the wall of deceit. There's discretion and then there's deception. And deception doesn't always need words. It's not necessarily the words that are coming out that are a lie that makes it that way. Sometimes there's things that are left unsaid that deceives people. Sometimes people get the wrong impression about us, about what we think or what we say, and I'm, I'm okay with that because now, you know, they, they got the wrong impression, but I was kind of wanting that to happen. I'm not gonna correct it. Sometimes that happens. So with, with all of this, these different kinds of deceit, what, what is going on here? What, why do we deal with that? Why is, why is this such a common thing for people? 
Proverbs 12, 20, it says, Deceit is in the hearts of those who plot evil. It says, basically, when we are going for what we want selfishly, or we're going against God's commands, or we're working things out for our favor and the demise of others, what, what, there's so many different shades of ways that are contrary to God's ways that we, when we go after it, there, it usually brings deceit along with it. It says, but those who promote peace have joy. It's a contrast. So whenever we deceive and we keep things hidden, who's the beneficiary? Who's supposed to benefit from that? Only us. I don't know if I've ever deceived someone in order to benefit other people. <laughs> no, like when, when we move into the shadows or we move towards darkness, it, this we do this for our own gain, and then it has a way of inviting additional steps into darkness. There's this gravitational pull towards more deceit, towards more covering up, or towards more self-focused living, which damages us and it damages others. I, I would imagine this is probably the case in Tiger Woods' story where maybe there was a little pleasure, a little deception. It was okay for the moment, a little bit more, more steps, in more covering, more darkness, more deception. Well, here's what we got to know. We have got to know that God really hates deception. If God is on the side of truth and light, Satan, well, he, his, his, one of his names is the father of lies. Satan is responsible for leading the whole world astray in deception. God really hates that. Proverbs 11.1 1 says, Dishonest scales are detestable to the Lord. He hates it. But an accurate weight, when things are right and above board, is his delight. For those that follow Jesus Christ, deception, well, it starts consequences rolling in. It starts to invite God's discipline. And this can come in different ways. Sometimes we experience God's discipline spiritually because now we're, we feel ashamed or we feel like we got to hide some things from God. We're on the run spiritually or we, we just get calloused. Emotionally, some of the discipline comes from now, now I feel guilt or I feel fear that I'm going to get found out or I'm angry at other people for blocking my goals and making it difficult or I'm anxious. There's all kinds of things that roll out that way. Or socially, we experience God's discipline because deception creates distance with people that normally we really care about, family and friends, or deception really does lead to loneliness. And physically, we can experience discipline too because when we hide things and deceive, maybe we're getting into something that hurts our bodies or we, it makes us weaker or slower or more obese or more addicted or in bondage to things physically because, and then we just try to hide it and it makes it worse. Living behind the wall of deceit leads to an ineffective life. So when we choose deception, basically what we're saying is, I'm, I'm going to be loyal to my sin into my secret goals. And I'm only going to tell as much truth as I have to, as much truth as I'm forced to, maybe if I get caught. And I'm going to keep feeding my sins secretly because I want to, even, even though it destroys all of the good things in my life. My family's trust, it's destroying my health, my reputation, my self-esteem, my wealth. That's what deception does. So are you ready for some good news? <laughs> the good news is, listen to this, 
Our Lord Jesus Christ commands us to be truthful men and women. That's good news. 1 John 1, 7 through 9 says, If we walk in the light, oh, how good it is to walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, meaning God. Man, if, if we're walking in the light, we have fellowship with one another, we're good with other people, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Man, walking in the light makes us good with people and good with God. And it says, if we say, ah, we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. Actually, deception, we can deceive ourselves very easily, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's incredible news. There's another video that shows uh, this, the life of Jesus, and it's, it's one that was actually done in Greek. And it's sort of an intense video. It's uh, a little bit violent because it's the scene where Jesus gets set up and uh, he's in a court, but it's unjust. It's, you know, he basically gets set up and if he, if he had confesses to saying that he is the son of God, then they would consider that blasphemy, meaning, um, well, they, they thought that was lying and that it would be um, right to kill him as a result, as a punishment for that. And in the scene, Peter is the other character, and he doesn't choose the truth. There's a striking difference between truth and deception in that, in that video. Well, Jesus, he told the truth even though it would mean his torture and death. He wouldn't, he wouldn't lie. And he, pay, he pays for it. And so if we, if we compare, let's say those athletes, and, you know, these athletes and celebrities, they, their desire for personal gain and pleasure drove them to deception. And the consequences for many of them are still rolling out. Was that short-term gain worth it? In contrast, Jesus, whose desire for God's glory and for the good of others, it drove him to truth, even at a cost, a huge cost to himself. And the long-term blessing from that is still rolling out. So do you want some quick, short-term gain? Or do you want enduring, long-term gain and avoid destruction? In a way, we can kind of decide our own fate on that with this issue of distruth and deception. Jesus talks about a contrast similar to this in Mark 8. He calls the crowd along with his disciples and he said to them, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. But whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. And here he asks this penetrating question. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? Meaning get all the stuff that you want, all that this world has to offer, and then lose out eternally. He's talking about eternal life. There, there is so much more at stake in our everyday world and the way that we speak and communicate and how we talk about things. There's so much more at stake than just the little temporary gains and opportunities and pleasures and ambitions that we have right here and right now. There's more than that. Jesus opened up the way for us to have eternal life if we would just stop 
doing life our way and yield control to him and follow in his steps, follow his commands. That, doing that, that's a significant decision that's in front of all of us. To be like Jesus is to walk in the light, not in darkness and deception. So, while deception damages my life, truthfulness, though sometimes painful, brings many good days. Again, look at that key verse we've been studying, Psalm 34. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. So maybe you would like to stack up many good days, leading to bright eternal life with God forever. If that's the case, we have got to tear down that wall of deceit, the wall of deception. And the way that we do that, first of all, is by admitting, I've got a problem with deception. <laughs> Maybe you're like, ah, no, that's not me. I don't have a problem with that. Man, well, what's behind your wall? If we just, you know, open the closet and all that stuff, what is it? Is there mistakes, failures, fears, manipulations, plotting, wastes, laziness, sins? What? There's, there's got to be things for all of us that, man, we're tempted to keep hidden. If we tear down that wall of deception, the other thing we need to do is make a decision to respect God more than myself. And this really has this idea of fear of the Lord that we talked about last week, really taking God seriously more than our own goals and ambitions. Really, we we can humble ourselves and say, you know what, and even pray to God saying, God, I'm really not all that I wish I was. I'm not all that I even pretend to be. But God, I, you know the truth about me, and I want to live in light of the truth. God, I've got problems that only you can help me with, and I want to live in line with your commands, even if it costs me. It's a pretty significant decision that takes us out of darkness towards light. Third, to tear down that wall, we can, well, begin speaking truthfully. Even though I might not get what I want. Or even though speaking truthfully means I may get pain that I don't want. One of our core values as a church, we have these seven heart attitudes that really govern the way that we relate to one another. And one of them is, heart attitude number two is, I live an open, honest life before others. And we see this many places, but um, especially in Ephesians 4.25, where it says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood you know, put, put that away from you. Don't, don't get into the falsehood thing. And speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. He's talking about people that were in church together. We can begin to humble ourselves with other people. And, uh, you know, that may be like, you know, what, what, I, what I said, that, that wasn't quite right. You know, I was, you know, I, I need to clear something up here. Or, or it, it might just be, hey, I am really struggling with something. Or sometimes it's a confession of sin. The fourth thing that we can do to tear down the wall of deceit is to get help with the bigger problems behind the sins. We may be resorting to deception because there's, there's something beneath it that's driving us. And we, sometimes we need help from God and from others. There may be hurts in our family. There may be weaknesses in my character. There may be habits that I've got that need to be dealt with and addressed. 
when we go to God, we can pray. We can ask God, would you take away my, my skewed perspective? And the way I'm seeing things is not right. And those dark emotions that are leading me off track. And would you instead, please, would you give me a right perspective from the word and the right emotions? Also, when we get help from others, we can just, we can talk with somebody. Do you have people that you are open and honest with and you let them see what's really going on? You might even ask yourself, who, who, who does that need to be for me now? Who do I need to be honest with? You know, my middle name is Jacob. So Bruce Jacob Wood. And Jacob, he's got an interesting story in the Bible. His name, Jacob means supplanter, meaning somebody that takes the place of another person, sometimes by scheming. And that's the story of Jacob in the Old Testament. Um, he schemed a lot of things from his brother. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not a great, it's not a great history. And you know what is interesting? That's what I did to my friend when I was a teenager. I, I schemed to get the girl without him knowing while wow, he, had, he had already initiated that. It was clear that he had already been moving in that direction. And I, I, I stepped in and supplanted that position. Isn't it interesting that in my very name, I've found a struggle with deception. And if, you are, if your name is Jacob or if you know somebody named Jacob, just so you know, there's, there's other aspects of the meaning of that name that, that are positive. But I've told my kids about this. I've, I've told them about my name and the different meanings and how, you know, I, I have hidden quite a lot. And there, much of my life I have played with my cards pretty close to my chest. And I don't think that's always been a good thing. And so now my name, the, or at least my middle name, is... While in some way I think it actually accurately defined me, I think now it's a reminder of where I've come from. Because God has redeemed me, and he truly has set me on a path towards truth and light. And I have a strong conviction and desire to live that way. Imagine your life being one of integrity and oneness. No double faces, no pretense, no, no hiding things, no secret plotting. Imagine breaking free from the path that trends towards deeper deceit and darkness and evil. You know, I might walk through life, and as I do that, I, you know, I, I'm, I may sin and I may hide things. But when I do, I confess and move on. Man, and what a joy if I am honest and truthful and upright because that really pleases God. Peace and joy begins to flow from this. Look again at one of the other Proverbs we saw earlier. Deceit is in the heart of those who plot evil, but those who promote peace have joy. So we've covered the first two ingredients. How do you stack up good days one after the other? Well, David said, come my children, listen to me. I will teach you fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life, desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. And then he says to do a third thing and then do a fourth thing. And you're going to have to listen next week and the week after to find out what are the next two ingredients. But this amazing passage in Psalm 34, it's written not just in Psalms, 
but much later it was written actually a thousand years later it was written by peter and both of these guys david and peter they were authors living through very difficult and trying circumstances david was writing in despair his life was in danger and jeopardy he's on the run peter was addressing people undergoing tremendous persecution and suffering so it's interesting with a span of a thousand years god must think this is really important to have it appear verbatim twice in the bible hopefully that we'd trip over it more than once so we're looking at this topic stacking up good days because you know what our world is in a bad way and there's specific tangible things that we can do steps that we can take you know and so much of our world feels like it's out of control and there's problems and there's pain even in the midst of that we can love life and see many good days stack up let's pray together father thank you for your word and the help it gives and the guidance that you give and i thank you holy spirit for empowering us to do these right and good things to, to fear you to really take you seriously and and to to step out of darkness and to tear down the, the wall of deceit well, we really are dependent on you to make progress in that way to leave satan the father of lies and to have you be our master the holy spirit guide the way that we talk the way that we relate the impressions we give would you give us the help in that now in jesus name we pray amen have a fantastic week and i hope to see you again